This is the Lost Start of Communication, hosted by Molly and Trisha. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Lost Start of Communication podcast. Today's guest is a singer-songwriter who goes by the name Shimshia. She's based in Los Angeles, California, and we're so excited to speak with her today about singing and songwriting and how that is such a special form of communication and self-expression. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Molly and Trisha, so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So why don't we start with you giving us a little background on yourself and your story and what life looks like for you these days? Sure. I have had a windy road to get to where I am right now, like so many of us. I started as a classical pianist um, as a kid, went to classical piano school for college, realized when I got there, like, how am I going to fit into this crazy classical piano world and just quit music altogether, to be honest, because I couldn't figure out how to fit. And, you know, did the whole life thing, day jobs, all that. And slowly came back to music in terms of, well, not even that slowly, but just more like I can't not live with music. And so played in bands and even then still wasn't a singer. And just as life happened and realized I wanted to do things that other people didn't always want to do with me, I could be control of my own career this way. I started singing and found an incredible vocal coach and she changed my voice and enabled me to really start out as a solo artist, which I never thought I would ever do. And I never thought I'd be a solo pop artist either. And it's been the greatest gift in the whole world. I'm so grateful for it. It's so much fun. That's awesome. I really resonate with what you first said, the, I mean, not fitting into the world of like classical piano. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because I feel like a lot of our listeners and myself and Trisha included have all had that feeling of we want to do something. We just don't fit in. How do we make this work? Or what what led you to that path of just, you know, changing directions? Yeah, I, I always loved classical piano and still do. It's such a big part of my life. But it's a very rigid world. It's also a world where it's you have to fit into a box in order to be in that world. Well, it's, it's increasingly changing, but it really felt like that, especially back then. I could not see possibilities. I couldn't see a way to do what I wanted to do in a way that I would maybe make any money or, you know, I was scared of those basic human needs at 18 years old. Like, can I actually do this? And so in some ways, I, I really wish I hadn't just quit altogether. I wish I had stayed and tried to figure out other ways in, but at the same time, it worked out just fine. And I, I know I struggled with that, and I see so many people, other people struggle with that too, this idea that like, I don't see a possibility, so I just have to leave. Mm-hmm. So what is it, when did the songwriting portion of it come into play? I know you mentioned the vocal coach who really helped with your confidence with your voice, but you mentioned being a songwriter as well. And that's a totally different skill from singing itself. Yeah, I've always been a songwriter just in different forms, like even as a kid writing a lot. And it was a matter of confidence for me. Like, okay, is any of this stuff good enough? 
and not so much like, is it good enough, but is it good enough to keep editing it? I remember I would, especially when I first started writing pop songs, I would think, oh, this is crap. Let me throw this away. This is crap. Let me throw this away. Versus just saying like, oh, okay, this, there's some good bones here. Let me try to work, work on it. And instead of constantly judging it. So that was a slow, slow transition to, to learn to edit and not judge everything that came out of my brain. But it's always been in there. Uh, music is such an, a way of expressing myself that it's just, it's always in some form or another, I've always been doing it. I'm always so inspired listening to people talk about writing in general, whether in any creative sense, like songwriting, poems, it's just, to me, it's amazing because I have all these thoughts in my head, but just to be able to take those thoughts and those ideas and those life experiences and then put them into this like cohesive three to four minute musical piece is just amazing to me. So how do you, how do you pick what things to start putting your pen to paper about? Like, I feel like that would be the hardest part for me. Yeah. And just to validate what you were saying, like it's way more of a puzzle than I ever really quite imagined. Cause I do, I'll start with a theme and it's often something that really matters to me, something that I'm feeling at the time or that I can really, really dive deep into something that I've felt before. And then I also like to start with something that's a little bit hooky because the hardest part for me is always coming up with the, the, the hook, the, the line that is the most compelling that gets stuck in your head. So I'll try to come up with that. And then if I have a good hook, then I, then I'm off to the races. Then I can just play the puzzle game and write around it. And I, I go through many, 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 many drafts. So I'm curious because music is something that obviously influences us at a very subconscious level in a lot of ways. And Molly and I actually were a guest a while ago on my colleague's podcast called the Happy Singer Podcast. And we were having this discussion about how you can hear a song on the radio and the lyric will go into your brain and it might influence something you do later that day. So I was thinking of a very recent example where my brother broke up with his girlfriend literally because of a line in a song. And so I'm just curious, <laughs> especially with pop music, I feel like sometimes the the quality of the words themselves can be compromised for the sake of it getting a an upbeat tune or something that's catchy. And so just curious, how do you find that balance between or what is what value do you place on the lyrics themselves? And how do you say, okay, this is really profound and deep and moving and I want this out in the ether versus this sounds really fun and I think people could dance to this? Yeah, I tend to put much more weight on the substance than anything else. And honestly, my favorite pop songs, like you look at a Halsey tune or Julia Michaels or Sia, and those are deep lyrically, which is awesome. And so I'm always... I'm always striving for that. And I try not to make too many compromises when it comes to um, comes to meaning in order to make it fit the rhyme or fit the fit the number of syllables I have available to me. Though there are certainly times I'm actually working on a song right now when it's um, the line is a uh, uh, the kind the kind that all the poets dreaming of. And honestly, like 
it's grammatically wrong. <laughs> and every time I sing it, I'm like, uh, poets dreaming. Like it should be poets are dreaming of instead of like poets is, but I mean, that's a kind of a silly example, but, uh, I'll make grammatical things before I'll make any real substantive, substantive compromises. <laughs> But that's good. I mean, I feel like grammar you can get away with. It's really about the meaning and no one's going to hear that and think, oh, maybe I should just say poets is now. <laughs> but, I, but I love that. I think that's really important and something that I look for in music is the quality of the, the lyrics themselves. And something that you, the thing about your brother, I think is fascinating because I've had that happen to me many times where I'm listening to a song and there's a line and it, it resonates so deeply with me that it's 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 a mirror for me and that's what I always want to do for people is create mirrors or create something that resonates that it's like oh this is what I'm feeling thank you for putting it in words because that's what music's done for me my entire life I actually I was thinking Trisha when you were saying that I was like oh that's never happened to me but I literally have a song lyric tattooed on my foot. So I don't know what I was thinking about. <laughs> Trisha was with me when I got the tattoo. It's I Hope You Dance um, by Leanne Womack. And that song totally transformed my formative years as probably 15 to 22, I would say. Like, I always went back to that song and those lyrics to talk about, like, getting out there and, and quote unquote, dancing and doing what you love and doing what you want to do. And, um, that is so true. Like song lyrics can really feel like gateways into new ideas and new thoughts and new, just ways of kind of seeing the world. Um, and does that, this might be a weird question, but does that pressure like get on you at all? Like I have to write a really good song that speaks to somebody. Does that kind of make you feel, um, like withheld at some points or how do you deal with that? Yeah, that's an interesting question because I, I I run into that a lot because most of my songs are about breakups. Uh, for some reason, every single song I want to write and every deep emotion has to deal with the struggle for me. Like, and because I think that's the emotion that I often feel or that is the most most deep for me are these kind of either angry or sad or frustrated emotions. And so I constantly am writing about all those things. And I'm always like, like a song, like, I hope you dance. Like literally my first thought was, oh, maybe I should write a song that's like more hopeful and inspirational like that. And I'm like, how would I do that? Like that is like, so I definitely do feel the pressure to write those kind of songs or other kind of songs. And then I remind myself, I'm going to stay true to myself. And that song will come to me when it's ready. Like, hopefully. That's another one of my questions too, is I feel like, as a songwriter, like, okay, you're using a lot of your breakups as examples, right? Like you're putting yourself in such a vulnerable position to be like, here is my life and all of my deep feelings. How do you feel and how do you cope with being so vulnerable in your music? And are you vulnerable in your music? I feel very vulnerable in my music. I also feel like my music is in some ways, um, I don't want to say a mass because I can it's not like I'm sitting here telling you my deepest fears which would scare me to death but I can say it a little bit poetically a little bit guarded you don't actually know what I'm talking about this actually comes up with I have had 
uh, like one of my most major breakups in my life. And so many people are like, are these songs about him? And I'm like, no, they actually aren't. And people, people like guess, like, they're like, oh, we think that's about him. And I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> like, so I feel, I feel like I can put on that. I don't have to tell people exactly the situation unless I really want to. So that helps me feel, um, feel more protected and allows me to be more vulnerable. Yeah. And that vulnerability takes a lot of confidence, regardless of whether you're making it super obvious about who you're talking about, or regardless of how detailed you're going with the subject. But you mentioned several times in the beginning, when you were telling us your story about how you needed to find the confidence to do that and the confidence to songwrite. So will you walk us through how you found that confidence or give any advice to people who are maybe listening to this thinking, I would love to be able to write a song or I would love to sing on stage or I would love to write a book or perform or start a blog or whatever the case may be. What words of encouragement can you offer based on your experience to help people find their own voice and increase their confidence? Yeah. For me, there were really two major things. And I think about this a lot because it was really profound for me and I want to be able to repeat it in other areas of my life. So one of the ways was a really close friend said to me, well, why don't you just start with doing one song by yourself? Like, could you just do one song? Like this doesn't have to be, you know, a whole brand new thing. Doesn't have to be anything big. Just do one song. And when she said that, I was like, oh yeah, I could do one song. But I had in my head, I had to one song, have this new persona, like those before Shimshia was born, like have this, have this persona, have a marketing plan, have a complete formulated sound. It's way different than just one song. The other thing she said to me was at one point, I, I was like, I'm not sure if I'm a singer. And she said, do you realize how much you asking yourself whether you're a singer or not is holding you back? She said it in a better way than that, but that was basically what she was saying. And I realized like just in that moment, and she had honestly had to tell it to me multiple times, but that moment I realized that every time I was questioning, am I a singer or am I not a singer? I was holding myself away from being a singer. And if I just put on the identity of I'm a singer, literally, honestly, my voice changed exponentially at that point, which was crazy. I, it, it was really crazy. I have so many thoughts about what you just said. So first thing I I'm taking notes, I wrote it down is, taking small steps. I think a lot of times I am exactly like you where I'm like, if I take this one small step, that means I have to reach point Z tomorrow. And if I don't, then I'm definitely a failure and everyone's going to judge me and I can never do this again. (laughs) And what was the point? Like, why did I even do it in the first place? Exactly. Yes. I, I totally understand that. We actually talked about this on an episode we previously did with, um, our friend Lindsay Wright. And she was talking about all the small steps too. Like just taking that first small step that's going to build you up that staircase to getting you to where you want to go and look at you you've made it to being a songer songer singwriter that's not a word (laughs) song (laughs) singer songwriter language um so that's the first point I wanted to touch on and then secondly I really like how you brought up questioning yourself too and I wanted to know a little bit more about that what language you use with yourself now. I've heard a lot of people using affirmations and just telling themselves, like calling themselves the thing that they want to be in the future. Do you ever use affirmations or anything like that? I've tried and I still try. And I 
every time I do, I have this like really strong voice in my head. that's like, well, that's not true. And I like, I'm deeply cynical. I pretend I'm not, but I think I really am. And so affirmations personally don't always work really well for me. I think what it was, was that I, I looked at my actions as what they were actually doing for me, like my actions and the way I was talking to myself and realizing, oh, like realizing it was hurting me and then also realizing how much it was about my identity, that like my identity was that I wasn't a singer or that I had a bad voice or I didn't have a voice that could be a, be an a professional artist. And the second I said, I just changed my mind. And I know that sounds so silly and like trite, but I really made a conscious decision to change my mind and embodying that. That isn't silly at all. And it all really does come back to the way that we identify ourselves. And so even with affirmations, isn't that the point? You tell yourself, I'm so rich because that's the identity. You want to identify yourself as a rich person because if you can tap into that feeling of, being a rich person in this case, the theory is that then you will behave like that kind of person will behave. And so in your case, you might not have been standing in front of the mirror saying, I'm a singer, I'm a singer, I'm a singer, and that more traditional affirmation type sense, but you were affirming to yourself that you belonged as that sort of person. And as you said, that influenced your behavior. And what I think, just this is just me processing everything that just happened in this conversation, but what's such a huge thing is when we're then behaving in alignment with that identity or with our values, then we can get where we want to go a lot faster. So once you started identifying yourself as a singer, how did your day-to-day actions and behaviors shift? I'm really glad you brought that up because I'm realizing how much I was kind of using those affirmations before I got to that decision place and was making, taking action on them. And it was like putting me up against all those beliefs I was having that I wasn't a singer, which is exactly, I think what it's designed to do right now that I'm realizing it. This is, thank you for this. So I, I would tell myself, I'm a singer. I'm, I went to vocal lessons three times a week. I practice every day. I would do all of these things. I'd write songs for myself. And then once I made that shift, I don't know if my actions changed as much as my the way I approached those actions changed. I was in my singing lessons, not questioning myself. Like when I was in singing lessons before that, I would go, oh God, I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. Oh God. Oh no, that's terrible. On the other hand, I would say, oh, okay, let's fix that. Oh, how do I fix this? It was just a different energy that came with it. And that made it go a lot faster. Go figure. That's huge. I think it all always comes down to your mindset. And so it's really interesting to hear you say, you know, I was already doing all the things that I needed to do to be a singer. And I kept doing all those things after I made this conscious decision. Literally, the only thing that shifted was the way that you were talking to yourself. And we talk on this podcast all the time about the importance of talking to yourself and the way you're talking to yourself. And that's a beautiful illustration of the fact that your behaviors might not change, your external circumstances might not change. But if you start communicating to yourself in a more loving and kind, encouraging way, then the results will change. 
And I have to say, one of the biggest reasons I think I was able to do this was my vocal coach, because she is so um, positive in her feedback. Whenever anything was right, she always tells me when something's right. She, and she always, she talks about how, her name is Terry Dans, by the way, she's phenomenal. And she always talks about her old teachers. She studied with incredible teachers. And she's like, but they would never tell me when I was right. They would only tell me when I was wrong. And so she had to guess when she was doing something properly. And, and it was, it seemed kind of silly at the time. We'd high five all this stuff, but I swear to God, it, it made me learn so much quicker. Yeah. If somebody externally is telling you, here's, I'm looking at all of the negative pieces of what you're doing. Obviously you're also going to look at all the negative pieces that you're doing too. So I love that she was that external mindset for you to help you change your internal mindset to focus on the positive too. Exactly. And it also just brings up an important point about the way that we give feedback in general and starting with positives is always a good thing, not just because it makes people feel good, but because people need to understand what they're doing well. Otherwise you're going to second guess yourself. Like, did I even do that? No correctly. I'm going to, and then you might get it wrong the next time because you weren't sure. And so I get questions from my clients a lot that are asking for leadership skills and say, well, how do I motivate my employees? And one big thing is start with positives and make sure that you're teaching people what they're doing well and praising them for it. So the fact that you now are praising your singing teacher, your vocal coach, because of that fact, that's huge. And reminding ourselves that it's not just to pat someone on the back and make them feel good. That's a a fortunate byproduct, but it really is productive and constructive to be able to articulate the things someone is doing positively also. So I love that you had that experience. What advice would you give to someone who maybe can't necessarily afford to work with a coach? Are there any self-talk strategies you've learned along the way to help improve your relationship to your singing and your songwriting and the skills in general? I mean, I think the biggest one is one that we've already touched on, which is for me, I think of it as embodying, like actually embodying who it is that I want to create, want to be. And um, there's this wonderful teacher. Her name is Laura Day. Her book is called The Circle. And she's the one that taught me about embodying that way. And then she has these also these amazing practices. One of the ones that I love so much is she creates a ritual around that new identity. So for me, one of the things I'm doing right now is I'm wearing lipstick all the time because it makes me feel very put together. And that creates my new reality that I want is having lipstick on all the time is this ritual. And now every time I, I go put on my lipstick, you know, five times, 10 times a day. And it, it reinforces this idea of who I am and who I want to, who I am creating. So I, th- I think there's lots of, there's lots of little tricks and it's figuring out what works for the individual. I really like that. I actually noticed your lipstick too. And I typically go barefaced all the time. But when I saw you had lipstick on, I was like, oh, that like makes her look like she's presentable and like she's, you know, ready to face the world. And I, my thoughts align with you. And like, maybe at first that doesn't seem like something I would want to do all the time, but pushing yourself to that comfort out of your comfort zone and be like, no, this is who I want to be. Let me take this small step to start there. Yeah. And to be clear, like I just went for a run. I'm in my gym clothes and I have no other makeup on. And I used to think that would be so weird to wear lipstick, but now I've just gotten used to it. That's amazing. I love it. Um, I'm going to take a hard left turn here. 
And I'm going to talk about or ask you about, so we talked a lot about communication and our thoughts and how you're songwriting, but you are also a singer and you use your voice all day and record yourself. Do you have any quick tips for keeping your voice healthy and vocal hygiene for our listeners? That's a great question. I think one of the biggest things that I've learned is how much just the the way we shape our mouth affects like the the sounds that come out and keeping a loose, this sounds crazy, but keeping a loose jaw is just and a loose throat and all of that, just because it's the restriction that causes our voice to get all funky. And so the more we just drop our jaw, um, keep a relaxed throat, like even with our posture, noticing those kind of things, that will stop our vocal folds from getting all crunchy and restricting our voice. So I think that's the most thing. And tea. I like a good hot tea for keeping our voice healthy. Amazing. Trisha, do you have any thoughts on that? No, great tips. I am a voice therapist. So that is spot on and just something to keep in mind. If you're very stressed, then your voice will tighten up as well. And all those muscles will physically clench up as Shimshia was saying. So something to keep in mind is the more relaxed you are, then the better your voice is going to sound. And so just getting in that mindset of I've got this and I'm a singer and I'm calm, cool, collected while I'm recording, that's really going to help your vocal production in real time. So then what is your day-to-day like now? Are you recording an album or what is what does life look like for you, especially considering we're in the middle of a pandemic and all and I, things are weird for everyone. So what is your life like? Yeah, things are definitely weird because there's no live shows to play, nothing like that. I'm I'm working on writing at the moment. I just released an EP of four songs and also I'm about to release a music video and working with the director on the music video has been a lot of work um, and I'm very, very proud of the outcome. So that's exciting. I'm just focusing on writing and honestly doing other types of art and creativity as well, like painting, which I'm not a visual artist at all, but just trying these things because it, I don't know, it gets my brain going in different ways. Maybe you will be a visual artist if you start telling yourself you are and embodying that. That's a very good point. And I probably should consider that. I'm just, I mean, obviously take these things. We can't be the master of everything, but it's just worth pointing out the way we talk to ourselves sometimes is so insidious and it's, we need to catch it. It is like, I'm so worried that if I, if I think I'm good at visual art, then I'm going to like get this big ego or something, or, or I'm going to have to protect myself from people telling me that I'm terrible or it's crazy. The things we tell ourselves, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And that's, the, that's why it's so hard. This whole self-love thing and self-compassion is because we worry that we're going to swing too far in the other direction. And then we're going to be egomaniacs and usually that's not going to happen and it does happen so keep that in mind but usually the people that are struggling with this are not the people that that's going to happen to (laughs) you'll know that's such a good point Trisha it's so it's good I think I'm crazy I mean I wouldn't say crazy but yeah (laughs) I mean I think what you're experiencing is pretty typical and it's 
I wouldn't necessarily say good either. It's just the way that our culture is. And in a lot of ways, we are having to work really hard to just feel worthy and adequate when as children, we probably already felt we were the best visual artists in the world. And I'll point out as women too, we're probably told don't feel confident in a lot of things too. So change that mindset and know that you are good at a lot of things and you can tell yourself you're good at many things. Also for me, I laugh because it's like, being good at visual art, quote unquote, means like my paintings will be in the Met. Like, and like, like, like that's not. Well, that's that like positive catastrophic thinking we were thinking of, right? Like before, like if I don't get it in the Met, then what's the point? And I'm not a good visual artist. Yeah. Like, yeah. As if just someone could just like it. Like, or even me, I could like my own work. Yeah. And obviously there are different degrees here. If your goal is to have your artwork in the Met, then the way you talk to yourself is going to be different than if this is just a hobby or something you want to pick up for fun. I would love to be able to sing recreationally, but I'm not going to spend the time and effort to tell myself every day I'm a singer because my goal is not to be a professional singer. So of course, keep these things in mind. It's just worth for everyone listening, as you go through life, really start to pay attention to these tiny things you say that you may not even notice because a lot of times they creep in and we don't realize we're actually being very self-deprecating and that's not generally useful. In most situations, it's not necessary. And yeah, it does protect us from harm in a certain way because you don't want to have this, these thoughts that you're the best artist in the world and then be disappointed if you get negative feedback, but it's also finding that balance between a healthy dose of self-esteem and self-worth and confidence compared to the reality of, okay, here's where I can improve these skills at a more practical level. Yeah. I think it's so great that our, oh, sorry, go ahead, Lauren. No, I just said that's important advice. I think it's really smart. I think it's so cool how we always have these podcast episodes and it always turns into you know, we want to get into these external topics of how to be a good communicator on the outside, but it always, always comes back into our thoughts. Every single episode, I feel like we're always talking about mindset and self-talk and it just, again, holds that weight of how important it is. So on, yeah. Just, yeah, going off that, but let's pull it full circle. The reason that this matters is because Think of all the singers in the world that had to go through this process of positive self-talk. If they hadn't done that, then their art, their work would not be out in the world. And so there would be a lot of loss there. So it all comes, and that is a form of communication and expression in and of itself. So we do all this internal work, not just to feel good, but so that we can communicate effectively and express ourselves to the world. Mm -hmm. Love it. All right, so we always end our episodes with a takeaway. So do you have any tangible takeaways for our listeners based on either something we talked about or something that you do on your own to be an effective communicator? For me to be an effective communicator, I think it, it comes down to, I think it was something that Trisha said about validating and being positive. I don't remember if it was Trisha or Molly now that I'm thinking about it when we were talking about my singing coach. And being validating towards other people of their oh of their um both their thoughts and their feelings and everything else that's related to that that's the only way I think I can communicate effectively because otherwise I get cut off from them if I don't if I don't validate them even in my head then it's I can't communicate effectively with them 
That's a really good point. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being here. Where can our listeners find you? I'm sure everyone is curious to hear your music after this conversation. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, my email, I'm sorry, my website is shimshia.com. It's X-I-M-X-I-A. And on there, there's links. You can find me on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Instagram, all those places. Um, But if you search X-I-M-X-I-A, you'll find me. Perfect. And we'll link that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for being with us here today. And thank you all for listening. Thank you, Molly and Trisha. This is awesome. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you.